the GD Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. Welcome to the GD Mike Novak Show. I'm here with Peggy Malecki. There she is. Right here. Right here. Are we not green? We're green. We are Devo. Well, I am Devo. I are Devo. I, how does that work? And, and when I spell it, it's it's D-E-V-O. As I talk to Green Diva Meg all the time. She tries to get me to say that I am Devo, D-I-V-O. No, I am D-E-V-O. So are we not green? I are Devo. Maybe that's the new phrase. There you go. I, I think that's how it With works. With a flower pot on your head. Yeah. Right, I need to get the picture of the flower pot on my head. And uh, we talk about green stuff, gardening, environment, local food, uh, you name it. All that stuff that you need to keep track of to live a deeper shade of green. Of green. So welcome to the program. We're happy that you're with us. Today on the show, we have Dolly Foster, who is... A monarch enthusiast. Uh, she is a horticulturist. She is a pollinator garden grower. That's what she does. And we welcome her to the program. We got to show it again for the folks. If you're listening uh, on the AM, we really appreciate it. If you catch this on the podcast, we love you to death. You do that at mikenovak.net. But if you're not watching on Facebook, you don't You're get to see the monarchs because I'm going to show them again. I'm going to take the, this. I'm going to go up here and hold up this thing up. And look We've at got that. quite the flap happening in the studio oh, this morning. Man. <laughs> Bunch of beautiful monarchs. I didn't know you guys would be so excited about this. <laughs> I thought maybe we would just put them over in a corner near an air conditioner and just let them cool. No, are you kidding me? <laughs> no, no, no. They're monarchs. We, we, we had a guy walk in with a whole bunch of bees. Oh, cool. And we did the same thing. He's like, cool. you know, uh, in fact, we're inviting entomologists all over the area, all over the country. <laughs> Bring your insects yes. into the studio. That's a good and idea. We, we will display <laughs> them for everybody. Now, you have, let's start right there, Dolly Foster, yes. with, uh, and I should reintroduce you, uh, Dolly Foster, who is the horticulturist for the Oak Lawn Park District. And we went over that before. Uh, <laughs> but she uh, she's also a monarch enthusiast and not just monarchs, though, butterflies and pollinators, right? Yes, yes. I, I have expanded my knowledge a bit. <laughs> um, I love bees and, you know, bumblebees and all kinds of butterflies and plant for everything. I plant for I plant with purpose. That's kind of my theme. And there's two things you need to know about her that are, are, are wonderful. One is the URL for her website, which is hort for you I love that. Mm-hmm. H-O-R-T, the numeral four, the letter U. But even better is when you type in the URL and it pops mm-hmm. up, it identifies itself as hort ergo sum. 
and that means <laughs> I garden, therefore I, I am, am. <laughs> which is that gets a that gets a ding there uh, because and uh, and and as we know, uh, because you're you're uh, a science person, obviously. Yes. <laughs> All right, and she will blind you with science. I hope so. <laughs> that's that's the whole idea. So now back to the monarchs. We've done our introduction here, uh, and one of the things you do. How many monarchs have you raised this year? I think this this group here is going to bring me up to about six hundred. Wow, that's pretty good. Which is fantastic for this time of year. Uh-huh. Um, it's unusual. Mm-hmm. It's been an unusually fantastic year. I'm sure everybody listening can agree. If you're a gardener, you have seen monarchs. Well, I, I guess it depends where. I, you know, we're in the Midwest, uh, and I don't know what it's like uh, out east. I don't know what it's like in the south. Yeah. Uh, I know that in this area, Doug Terran from uh, Peggy Notabart Nature Museum, uh, which is Chicago Academy of Sciences, yeah. says it's been a really good monarch year. and. His observations from the Illinois Butterfly Monitoring Network, and he's been on the show to talk about this, indicates that it is a good summer. And this is a continuing conversation we've had for several years, Doug and I, mm-hmm. on this program about what's the right count. What is, is it more important when they're coming out of Mexico and somebody does a count there for the winter, or is it more important when you see them and observe them uh, in the rest of North America, mm-hmm. and you see lots of them there, which is the count. And there's, obviously, it's impossible to get, to get an, right. uh, a specific count. But his point is that you can't just count the monarchs in the winter coming out of Mexico. You need to see what happens to them uh, when they come and procreate yes. and do their life cycle life cycles because... Uh, most monarchs live a uh, couple of months, basically. Yeah, the monarchs in the summer live about uh, four to six weeks. Yeah. They'll mate twice during that lifespan. But the monarchs that are the migrators that are just starting to be born, probably in the next two weeks they'll start being born here in the Mm -hmm. Chicagoland area, they will live seven to nine months. Which is so amazing. And they don't, they and don't eat. fly to Mexico. They don't eat at they, all? They don't eat during the winter when they're down in Mexico. They oh, when up, they're down. Yeah, yeah, but they eat to get down there oh, because yes. they have to get yeah, nourishment. Yes. And, they, and that's one of the reasons that you want uh, all the fall plants and you yes. want the pollinator attracting plants in your yard because this is going to be the crucial time. You need those things. You don't. You know, folks Folks pay attention to their gardens basically in the spring and early summer. Mm-hmm. And that's what, and then they kind of, <laughs> they lose. And, and in Chicago late, uh, recently, uh, we went from incredibly heavy rains to Zippo uh, in the last six weeks, basically. And um, that causes people to lose interest and they don't keep their plants up yeah. and they don't flower as profusely and then suddenly the nectar sources dry the food source yeah for for up. the butterflies dry up this is when you need to be paying attention to it usually people think that um for the monarch migration and for the monarchs in general milkweed is the most important plant and it is the most important plant because we need as much as possible to build that population during the summer but equally as important are things like goldenrod and New England aster, ironweed, and Mexican sunflower in the fall because those are the plants that have really 
nice, nutritious, fatty nectar that helps mm-hmm. the monarchs put on 50% of their weight on their way down to Mexico, which is what they have to do. Mm-hmm. So imagine if you had to put on 50% of your own weight in two months while flying 2,500 miles. <laughs> <laughs> flapping your arms yes. all the way. <laughs> flapping your arms all the way and floating on the thermals and... Uh, so it's very, very important to have. I just flew that. in from Canada. Boy, my arms tired. <laughs> but bum. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. I was so, waiting for some kind of there joke we go. out of that. Uh, <laughs> give us that that list again of plants. You went through that very quickly, and I think folks might be interested in that. Sure, sure. Uh, New England aster, and which um, is a plant everybody loves, and when it's blooming, yes, it's gorgeous. In, in the fall, it's wonderful, and often with uh, solidago. Yes, or, or, or goldenrod. Or golden so with solidago, though, I usually tell my students when I'm teaching my class, you know, don't just go out in the country and dig up solidago on the side of the road because that's tall goldenrod or Canadian mm-hmm. goldenrod. Yeah. And, and you'll be a farmer of that for the rest of your life. Yes. Uh, but you want to go to a, a native plant source, a, a native plant nursery, and you want to buy one like Riddles or uh, Zigzag. Are you saying native R? I am not saying native R. Okay. I'm saying zigzag. <laughs> zigzag is one of the native species of okay. solidago, and then showy goldenrod is a good one. Riddles is a good one. They don't spread as fast. Mm-hmm. You will get a big clump after a few years, but uh, well, I have to admit, I had a goldenrod. I don't know how it got there. Popped up in my backyard. Oh, a couple of years ago, and I have been, and it's and it's it's a big one. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the big ones, and I have to decide, make a decision about it. And what I do now is I cut it back halfway through the summer, mm-hmm. so that it's not flopping all over the place. Yeah, and they do get quite tall. I, I yeah. find that native plants get quite tall in a home garden. Oh, and, I have ironweed too, yeah. and it flops. Yeah. I mean, I just yeah. don't have enough sun for it. I don't have yeah. enough room. I might rip it out at some point, but for now, I'm, I'm experimenting. I want to see. Right. But the, the yeah, the ironweed really flops. On yeah. Me. Well, the nice it's, thing on the zigzag, it takes partial shade. At least yes. in my yard. Yeah, it can tolerate a little bit mm-hmm. more than the so others. So I definitely got to get some zigzag. Yeah, it, you know, I would wanna... suggest it. Yeah. The problem is, all right, and this is a problem that folks have uh, in cities, in the suburbs as well, and that is, what's the orientation of your home? All right, my home is on the south part of my lot. Okay. Which means that as we get into the fall... I lose sun in half the yard, Mm -hmm. okay? And by winter, there's virtually no sun in my yard. So if I want something that blooms in the fall, I'm kind of out of luck. It's not going to get any sun or very Mm -hmm. little. It's going to get very little sun. In the middle of the summer, I mean, it's interesting because even close to the house, I've got this stand of coneflower, which has been Mm -hmm. rocking and attracting monarchs and all kinds of butterflies and and pollinators. It's going to be in the shade in, in a month. Right. Uh, and that's okay because it gets that full sun in the middle of the summer, and I don't – so now I, I, can, I can live with that. But if I want something that's going to start blooming yes. uh, at the end of August, I got a problem. It's got to be in the right placement, and so – And some people don't have yeah. that option is what yeah. I'm saying. Right. You know, um, it's – people in the suburbs and in the city don't have big, wide-open spaces that yeah. get lots of sun in the fall. Right, yeah. Well, neither do I. I live in Hammond, and in <laughs> Hammond, oh. we have urban lots. We're – Mine's 48 by 103. What's the orientation? So are you able to? Uh, my house faces north, so my, my yard is south-facing. So I do Good for have you. that. Yeah. I, you know, so hydrangeas and so that, that pastas. Helps. And yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that does help. Yeah. And I did not think about that when I bought my house. Had I, I 
had I really known I was going to go into horticulture when I bought my house. <laughs> You'd have bought a different house. I would have bought a different house with a little bit bigger yard. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk a little, little bit about uh, your background here. And, and you say coming into horticulture, you did, yes. obviously didn't start in horticulture. I did not. I wish I had. Um, well, I do too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I'm a guy that, you know, in college I was studying radio and television. I thought I was going to be a rock and roll di- disc jockey. And I, <laughs> and I wish I had studied entomology or forestry yeah. or horticulture mm-hmm. of some kind. Yeah. I went to the wrong college. I went to Indiana University and I was I was looking for plant classes. And, and mm-hmm. all I could find was one, clan, one class on plant sex. And that was it. That was all I could take down at Indiana University. I literally did not know about Purdue and what Purdue was about. Oh, my gosh. Because I went to... Just down the road, too. (laughs) I know. I went to a suburban prep school. Yeah, and and the whole high high school college prep was very different from today. It was very different. So um, I became a teacher and uh, never did get a full-time job, and so I got a little disgruntled and... Fell into horticulture, became, became a master gardener, and just like you, and I'm a Purdue master gardener, by the way. Ah, so, so and you keep up with that through? Uh, I Purdue? do, I do. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Well, you live in Hammond, so yeah, of course so you're I'm, not going to do it here. No, I'm. I'm actually involved in a very in two very large pollinator projects in. Um, Sherville uh, and Crown Point, Indiana. Well, so. and that's something I want to get into as well. Uh, you working for a municipality, so yes. you bring that sensibility, you bring the sensibility of a private gardener and knowing what pollinators want mm-hmm. um, to the the bureaucracy, shall we say, yeah. of a municipality. Are you, and I, and I went to the uh, Oak Lawn website and, and looked down the the staff, the staff list, and you're it. You're the horticulturist. I am it. <laughs> I know. I it. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> so I'm thinking, what can one person do for an entire city or village? Well, I'm only responsible for the parks, so that's a good thing. Yeah. The, the mm-hmm. village takes care of their own properties, and they they do a beautiful job. Right, and job. I have to say, I looked at the park district site. Mm-hmm. That's what yes. I was looking at. Yes. But still, there's a lot of staff. On the Park yeah. District site, and there's only one horticulturist. Yes. So uh, I do have a staff of five uh, college kids that work for me. So shout out to Tommy Pahokie, because if I didn't do that, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tommy, oh, you got go, it. Go, Tommy. All right, uh, Tommy. So I have uh, a small staff, and uh, we we just really do try and muscle through and, and make our way around the park district and keep things looking nice. We, we try as hard as we but can. But it's not just about looking nice. I no. mean, what's, what mm-hmm. about the policy? How is it? All right. I, I imagine this involves not only the kinds of plants you put in. Yes. Uh, but uh, pesticides as well yes. and lawns. Uh, yes. what, what are the policies regarding lawns and all of that stuff? Our overall policy for um, all of our plantings is that... Uh, we go native as much as possible. Our trees are almost uh, 90% natives. We, uh, with, with my plantings and planning my plantings, I have a couple of criteria. Things have to be drought tolerant. They should be you know, 80% natives. They should feed something. Those are my three crit- criteria. So whether it be... Um, I'm the, looking here, by the way. You look like you're hiding behind. Know, we've, got, we've got to move that over just a little bit. I think. Can, can there I, we can go. I there put go. it down this Oh, way? yeah, you can put it sideways. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Because that way you can see the clock, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I cannot see the clock. It's Oh, now <laughs> I can go. see. Oh, look at them flapping around in there now. Hey, guys. Oh, that looks. And you can see it on camera, too, right yeah, in front of Dolly. That's fabulous. 
Get so, a shot of that, Ellie. <laughs> <laughs> so everything that I plant in the parks has to feed something. So whether it be the hazelnut shrubs that I put in the dog park, just to be cheeky. Uh, now, or, why, do you, why, do, why do you say that? Well, I put the hazelnut shrubs out in the dog park uh, for when they finally do get hazelnuts. They'll bring the squirrels down out of the trees, and then the dogs will have something to chase. <laughs> My you're, boss, my that, boss thought that was hilarious. That's some great logic. You're, yeah. you're think- my boss thought that was hilarious. <laughs> I love that. You're thinking ahead. <laughs> I you're am like, thinking you're, ahead. It's going to take 15 years for them to get nuts, but <laughs> they're, they're no, going to no, no. be there. Dogs are already nuts. Oh, oh, I Thank mean you for very the much. squirrels. <laughs> oh, right. But uh, yes, I, I really do feel that planting with purpose is the most important thing. So everything I plant has to feed somebody something, um, be part of an ecosystem. It's not hard to build an ecosystem in a yard or in a park if you just um, make sure that you're putting some thought into it. And the biggest part of that is going to be a high percentage of natives. Because our insects and our butterflies and and the the bees and the bumblebees, they're all natives. And so we need native plants in order to feed Not all the bees, though. No, not all the bees. And that's something important to say because what happens and what has happened over the past couple of decades is folks say, Got to save the honeybees. Mm, And you want to raise your hand and say, well, yeah, they're really important to agriculture. However, they're not native. Yes. They're not native to North America. Dare Uh, dare I say they are livestock? Yes, you may. Yeah, you can say that. They are. They really are. They're extremely important. um, But a mason bee is going to pollinate crops a heck of a lot better than a honeybee. So what kind of pollinators, uh, you know, people are aware, people love butterflies. Let me put it this way. But butterflies are not necessarily the best pollinators, are no. They? they? No, they are not. They're, they, they can do some pollinating, yes. but bees are generally better pollinators. But all kinds of animals are pollinators. There are mammals that are pollinators and drag pollen around on their fur and that yeah, sort of do. thing. We, we're pollinators as humans, <laughs> accidentally. We don't do it. We're not very efficient no. uh, about it. But So what other kind of pollinators uh, do you try to make people aware of? I try to make people aware that there are 400 species of native bee in Indiana and Illinois and the Midwest region in general. There's 4,000 in, in the world, but we have 400 species here in this area, and um, they are very important to try and preserve, and I encourage lots and lots of people to leave their gardens up over the winter. Don't cut everything down because there's baby bees in those stems. It's one of the important mm-hmm. things to do if you want those bees next year for your vegetable garden or your flower garden. Um, don't cut your stems down. Don't be too tidy in the garden in the fall. Neatness freaks. That's yes. what I say. Yeah. I get, I'm get. i meaner than you are. I'm just saying <laughs> stop, be. <laughs> stop being a neatness freak in your garden because you think, you know, it's the same, it's the same instinct for lawns is that we want it flat and we want it all uniform and we want it this. I know folks uh, back when I was living in a different neighborhood, a couple of doors down, there were these gardeners and they would clean up everything. I mean, I mean, and just to the nub and it was all just not bare, a leaf anywhere, not a leaf anywhere, bare dirt. They wow. wouldn't even put mulch down. Well, they would just, yeah, just clean it. And I thought, what are you doing? There, nothing can survive there. It's no. it's like the surface of the they're moon. They're not thinking yes, that way. Exactly. They just want it to. Well, they need clean. to, and and that's how it, you need to tell folks. And one of the th- okay, do you like 
uh, fireflies. I love fireflies. Mm-hmm. And I see firefly larvae in my garden in the spring when I'm digging in the garden and cleaning things up. What does up. a firefly larva look like? It's it's um, very small. It's white, and it looks like it has scales. Really? I've, I've, yeah. I probably have seen it and didn't know what it was. Yeah, and I think uh, there's some orange on it somewhere. Because uh, I love fireflies, and if you leave... Oh, wait. Oh, okay. That's a firefly larva. All right. Yes. Peggy was see, showing me. Yeah, uh, and uh, I see lots of beetle pupa in my garden in the ground. One of the things that I did many, many years ago was when I first started gardening, I had a really good master gardener mentor, and mm-hmm. she taught me how to butterfly garden. And I decided, well, she decided for me, if you're going to do this, no pesticides in your garden. So right. I don't use any pesticides in my garden. But it's evolved into concentrating on um, building an ecosystem in my very, very small, limited garden. Yeah. And I see all kinds of wonderful things. If I'm digging in the garden in the spring, I'll, I'll upend a, a queen bumblebee and, you know, just kind of put her back. And I see the ladybug larvas and beetle pupas. And I see all I would kinds love of cool to stuff. see a ladybug larva. I know what they look like. I don't think I've ever seen one the in person. The first time I saw one in my garden, I just about cried. I had to run in the house <laughs> and look up my um, my nieces and nephews had a bug book at my house when they were little. And so I was looking through this book and it's I found it. It's called Icky Icky Insects, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. I think it's like backyard insects. And on the last page, there was the ladybug larva. And um, I just about cried because I thought... This is it. I have I Nirvana. Have, I have achieved insect nirvana because the ladybugs were having wow. their whole life cycle in my garden because there was food for them. They'll leave if you don't have the food for them. And luckily, now that I grow milkweed, I have lots of food for them. I'm kind of surprised that I see very few ladybugs in my mm. garden, and I don't use any chemicals at all. I let everything grow, overgrow, and flop, and you know, and all that detritus is yeah. on is on the. So it's, uh, and I have had an infestation of aphids on one particular plant mm. in the last week. Yeah, uh, and I'm thinking, hey, ladybugs, yeah, over here. Hello, hello. hello. Yeah, they'll uh, come. Where are you? They'll come. No, I never yeah. see ladybugs. No, in my garden either. Oh my gosh. Um, and, and, she's, and she's the same as I am. She's yeah. And she's even closer to more natural areas. I'm smack in the middle of the city, okay? I'm kind of this oasis. And this year has been a revelation. Uh, and I know Kathleen's listening, and she feels the same way. We walk out every morning, and it's just pollinators buzzing and moving. And, and yes. it's just there's so much act- – it's like Grand Central Station in yeah. my backyard, except it's insects and other bugs. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's it's unbelievable. Monarchs have been there, and fritillary, and admirals, and, and your you, silver spotted skipper. Well, actually, the silver spotted skipper was at the lakefront. I went to oh, the lakefront to yeah. see that. Okay. Yeah, uh, but so I know that there's activity, and I know that the insects love my yard. Yes, uh, but I haven't. You've seen, got such a great mix of natives now established. Yes, too. and that's I really and, and, and I, that's what I've been doing over the last decade is. You know, being the garden guy on the radio, people give you plants. And unfortunately, most of those plants are not native. Right. And you don't want to kill them, so you plant them. And then 10 years down the road, you realize, I really don't want that plant. Mm -hmm. So now what do I do? And I've begun just taking them out and putting in native. I always tell people, don't don't be afraid just to take a plant out that you don't like and just compost it. It's okay. Yeah, it really is. It, It is painful. It's tough love. You got to do it sometimes. You did that to a boxwood. This I year, did it didn't to you? a boxwood that was five feet tall, uh, the most beautiful, healthy. And I know boxwoods have been hit. Yeah, boxwoods about, have been hit uh, with you know the fungal blight, disease, yeah. Uh, blight. Yeah, and uh, uh, it, this one didn't have any of those problems. And I thought, eh, 
you're in the wrong place, um, you're going to go. And I put vegetables in where I had the boxwood. Well, then that's more beneficial to you. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I'm so happy I did it. You I know what a weed so is? A weed is a plant in the wrong place. So obviously that box <laughs> the was boxwood a weed. was a weed. Yeah. And and that's the way you have to look at yes. it if if you don't. I I've, I've been talking now for the last I don't know, 3 or 4 years about taking out my crab apple. Really? Yeah, cuz I want more sun. It not the most elegant shape plant in the world it's suckers i gotta address that i mean there's a lot of mm-hmm. reasons why not to have now in the spring i get the most go- and it's one of those you know it's a it's it's a hybrid it is a uh prairie fire crab it gets mm-hmm. like no disease uh beautiful pink d- really rich dark pink yeah. blooms in the spring and crab apples in the fall and then the birds and, like. and the birds love them, and the squirrels love them. All the critters love them, and they they pick that thing clean. I can and you have winter interest too, then. Yeah, I can understand your your plight. It's yeah, like now, it's, what do I do? Because yeah. it serves a purpose, but it's too big, mm-hmm. and it's too, and it's too much work. Yeah, and and if I got rid of it, I could plant more sun loving plants. You could, and so you have to weigh the benefits. What What is your plan for your garden if you take that tree down? And, I mean, we have this at the park district, too. If I take a tree down, does it open up an mm-hmm. opportunity for me to plant another garden? Or if I take a tree down, um, is it going to end up being just a yeah. blank space well, because I need a blank space? And that's the thing, a plan. Don't just take it out. Exactly. But what are you going to put yeah. there? Don't Don't rage cut. <laughs> <laughs> rage cut. Don't rage cut. Take that, Juniper. That is the first time I've heard that phrase. Uh, Ellie, write that down. Don't rage cut. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, that's good. But I like also, that. Okay, don't no, feel, oh, thank you. Also, don't feel bad about cutting and just pruning no, something at the ground. Exactly. Sometimes ground, you do. Over. You know, uh, you uh, one cut, bzz, yep. ankle, yep. eye, and you're done. And you move on. You that was that's his solution to Bartlett pears. Uh, it's oh yeah, all Bartlett pears. I, uh, right. how, <laughs> many, how many Bartlett pears do you have in uh, in uh, Oak in Lawn? the parks? Uh, not very many because uh, my supervisor is uh, also an arborist, so he's a very smart tree. Uh, <laughs> he tree gets chaser. a ding. He gets a ding. <laughs> Shout out to my Joel. And um, so we we have. I think the last one that we planted may have been about 1927. Well, I wish, but I think it had been about 10 years ago. But yeah. since I already talked about the town I live in, I won't go into the 72 trees they took down on my block and put in 70 pear trees to replace them. No, it's criminal. Did you wait? They okay, didn't. So you're so they, you're you're doing the right thing in the park district of, uh, and then you go home. And your municipality does this really dumb thing. And, and folks, it is dumb. If yeah. you're going to put a bunch of Bartlett pears on a strip, on you're you're an idiot, and you need to be replaced. All right, you, <laughs> I'm sorry. You need you're you're in the wrong job. You need to be an usher at a movie theater or something. Okay, um, it's just crazy. And there's recently we had this uh, incident in Chicago, and I'm following up on this, where oh yeah, five mature. London plane trees got removed. Oh no! Yeah, from because a parkway. from a parkway, because apparently somebody just didn't like the way they looked, oh. and of course the neighbors are really unhappy. And it looks like the alderman was doing a favor, mm. and it was a rich person, and 
you know the story. They've it's, been mysteriously it's, trimmed way up. They oh well, no, not mysteriously trimmed up. That's what the city does. Now that's and that's what I, uh, if I had to guess what happened, I'm thinking the person in that house in that 1.4 million dollar house on that street said. Those trees look ugly because they're trimmed up. Well, that's what the city does. Got to have clearance for trucks and, and people on bikes. I you know, mean, that's I, how it works in yeah. the city, you know. Yeah. Um, and they, I, they've been, trees have been limbed up on my block, mm-hmm. and I wasn't crazy about it. And I kind of go, oh, well, that's the way it goes. And some yeah. of it's a safety concern. You want the it lights is. to come down. And, and as you said, it's clearance and that sort of thing. Yes. So I'm guessing that these people, beca- and then I called an arborist, and we had a long conversation. <laughs> and I said, what kind of uh, diseases? Because the the people the the story that was in Black Club uh, reported on this said Which is an online news agency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Said um, uh, that they complained that one of the trees had disease. And I said to my arborist friend, "What kind of a, tr- a disease will London plane tree get?" He said, "I don't know, powdery mildew." I went, "Oh man, that's like a non-disease. Okay, that's no yeah, reason to no, cut down a mature tree." Not. So, nope. so what happened is. Somebody got to be in their bonnet, so to speak. Yes. Went to the alderman, said, hey, can you cut these down? Alderman said, what's in it for me? And then they cut them down. Boy, they worked out whatever the deal was. And so I'm going to follow up on that, folks, and we're going to see what happens. All right. want to thank Dolly Foster for being with us on the show today and talking all things pollinators and monarchs. And, boy, it was great having the monarchs in the studio, too. That was so cool. That is so Awesome. All right. Until next time, go green or go home. Uh, Stadler? Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.